0: Me.
1: What's up, Doc? Just a quick warning. Our conversation on this podcast may contain spoilers.
2: <laughs> In a world filled with movies, comedies, dramas, thrillers, and action packed adventures, Only one podcast dives deep into the magnificent titles found on HBO Max, and only one man can host such a show. Me! Hello, everyone, and what's up, Doc? As it were, I would like to welcome everyone to the jam and invite you all to slam with me Matt Rogers, the host of HBO Max Movie Club. That's the podcast you're listening to right now. That's the gig we're doing. What is it exactly? Let me tell you all about it. We're going to be talking about a different HBO Max movie that's on this platform, this incredible. Can we just give it up? This platform, we got to give it up for the platform. And this week, we're talking about Space Jam, a new legacy. 25 years ago, or exactly one Dua Lipa ago, that's how I like to measure time. Every 25 years is a Dua Lipa. You'll get to know me. We had Space Jam, okay? A cultural touchstone for not just basketball fans, not just fans of the Looney Tunes, because this famously was a sort of smash-up of Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes, the world of the 1990s NBA and the world of the Looney Tunes. But it also entertain kids everywhere. It was a combination of live action and cartoons, which really we hadn't seen before. Just kidding. We saw it in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but really we hadn't seen before. And people still remember it falling to this day. So just a little background on the first film, Space Jam. This was the 10th highest grossing film of 1996. The top three were Independence Day, followed by Twister, followed by Mission Impossible. So, we loved our big special effects movies at this time, okay? We love to see sort of explosions happening, aliens descending. White tank tops being worn incredibly. Sorry, that's more of a costume design thing about Twister. I just really love Helen Hunt and that white tank top. I'm gay, by the way, and you'll, you'll sort of get to know me as, a, as as you listen to this more. And I also do want to tell everyone that I did used to be a power forward on the court all right i do have a little bit of basketball know-how trust me i used to have a boom box out there next to me on the court and i would blast the soundtrack to space jam while i shot baskets at a hoop and missed most of the time but sometimes made it in and really is it really important that you make the shots or is it more important that you have fun trying i guess the answer to that is um If you're a professional basketball player, it is important that you make the shots. And if you're a kid out there having fun, then it really doesn't matter. But anyway, um, speaking of that soundtrack, today when I was looking through the soundtrack again, just skipped down a few tracks to find the iconic song, For You I Will, by the iconic Monica. All right? Come on now. I'm going to talk to Naomi Perrigan in a few minutes, one of my good friends and one of the funniest comedians in the world. And when I checked in with her that it was cool we do Space Jam, she was like, oh, yeah, that soundtrack was a staple for me, a childhood staple for me. Okay, so we're going to be getting into that for show. Also joining me later on in the episode is Jeff Bergman and Eric Bauza. Now, these are truly Icons. Okay, these are voiceover icons. They voice Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck in the film, and also so many more characters. And I don't know, maybe you'll meet some of those characters later on in the episode as well. No spoilers here, but uh, they might have stopped by. So we got Naomi, Jeff, and Eric all joining me to talk about Space Jam 2, A New Legacy, an incredible film, a fun film, a dynamic film that if you love the original, you're going to love this one. Oh my gosh. Baby, not for nothing, here's the funniest woman in the world. I would cross the ocean for her. I would go and bring her the moon. I promise you, for you, I will do all these things. Naomi my my queen, sorry, but queen.
0: (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. That is the greatest (coughs) introduction I've ever received, Uh, you know. Bringing Monica to the forefront of everyone's lives and everyone's hearts in that way is huge. I mean, and this is
2: what she deserves. But the reason I really bring her out in this podcast episode, right at the top even, is because she features predominantly on the Space Jam soundtrack, which I had forgotten until I gave it a spin today. And um, you said to me this was a soundtrack that was just preeminent in your life.
0: Honestly, it's, like, literally one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. I remember being obsessed. And it's funny, because 96, I would have been about 13. Yeah. Was I really into soundtracks then? Was I really, like, listening to movies, being like, I gotta pick that up? I gotta cop
2: that soundtrack. That score. I gotta cop
0: it. But, my God, it was, like, it was everyone who was anyone. Yeah. Okay? That You know they had to have a Diane Warren joint, for you I will, but mm. we're talking R. Kelly, Buster Rhymes, Coolio, Seal. I mean, they're giving you everybody.
2: I had forgotten that I Believe I Can Fly came from Space Jam, and I here I was sitting there, and I pulled up the, the Spotify page, and I was like, oh my god, I believe I can fly. And then I went to click it, and I was like, no, not gonna give them the streaming, not gonna give them the revenue.
0: You can't give him that rev. Don't give him that rev. He don't need He don't need it? No. He don't deserve it.
2: No, okay. he don't deserve it. He don't need it. So I'm just going to sort of sing it to myself in my head and skip down <laughs> and play For You, I Will by Monica, which is really the jam. Truly. Truly the jam. And is that Diane Warren?
0: Yes, it's Diane Warren. I mean, come on, any ballad, right? <laughs> like any ballad, any ballad we remember mm-hmm. is Diane Warren. She does all,
2: like all of them. You know what's crazy? So she wrote For You, I Will... In for this film in '96. The next year, Because You Loved Me from Up Close and Personal, of course, sang by Celine Dion. And then Mm -hmm. the year after that, How Do I Live from Con Air, all both nominated for Oscars.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's just what she does. She yeah. creates, a, I'm going to call it a banger, but an emotional banger. An a emotional banger. A slow banger. She just has this way. And it's like, and I feel like, especially because as a teen, as a tween, you know, I was so horny uh-huh. and so into love. Yes, oh, horny give me and into a dying,
2: love.
0: I was like, give me a Diane Ward ballad.
2: Oh my God. I was God. like, I need this. The next year, this she was on a roll. The next year was I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, famously of <gasps> yes. Armageddon. And then yes. the next year was Music of My Heart from Music of the Heart, starring Meryl oh Streep, God. sung by InSync and Gloria Estefan. So truly employing all the girls, putting musical notes in all the girls' mouths. Exactly. Honestly, she's given more people
0: number one hits than anybody else in the world.
2: Oh, my gosh. I mean, love truly. Her. I mean, I think the only song that's not Oscar-nominated in her oeuvre that should have been <laughs> is For You, I Will from the Space Jam soundtrack. Space Jam needed... An Oscar nomination.
0: I was, <laughs> Jim, very much, and I, it's like no one wanted to respect it, but it's like put some respect on Space Jam's name. Let's okay. Let
2: someone do it now. Um, you've you've you viewed the film as I have Space Jam: A New Legacy. Yes. I just yes. wanted to sort of run through some talking points um, with you because this this film is it's a callback to the original, but also yes. new. Now, yep. it, it's seconds into the, by the way, seconds into the movie, you heard. I'm sure you heard this one. The Maya ODB classic. Yes. You know that me I I think I was probably like eight or nine years old little white boy on Long Island shaking my ass in front of my house on the street like like just like singing ghetto superstar that took me all the way back.
0: I know, I was like, a time, a place, I know exactly who this boy is. I said, young LeBron, yes. I am you, you are me.
2: <laughs> young LeBron was into that song and also addicted to his Game Boy. So a major theme of the film yes. is generationally the the Jameses, the, the, the mm-hmm. LeBron and his kid, Dom. So LeBron is addicted to his Game Boy and his, and his coach says, you better throw that Game Boy away or else you're never going to become LeBron James. And he does yeah. throw it right in the trash. And of course, he famously comes the king LeBron James and his kid is addicted to tech. Were you right. so su- sort of susceptible to Game Boy or video game culture?
0: Absolutely. Mm. Game Boy. Mm-hmm. I will say that's the only one I had. I could play Tetris till the cows came home. Like mm. my mom had to take it for me because I would just like, it would be like go to bed. And I mean I had that old school black and white one. You know what I mean? Like real original i thought it was excessive that lebron threw it in the trash i thought he could have just re-gifted it to someone else it like, was really it felt said, like
2: it felt like this it? is for the movie he wouldn't really I, do this this is excessive I know. you I know that like, thing wow. is expensive exactly
0: that was expensive because his friend i like the set of those. his friend was like i just got the new one you can have my old one which <laughs> felt very real yes and then he immediately threw it in the trash yeah like, no lebron
2: i also think it's the reason why i'm not lebron james today
0: Oh yeah, me too. It's so funny to think I'm like, wow, the fork in the road, you yeah. know, diverging. And I said, you know, the difference between me and LeBron is that I kept playing. I that's kept it. playing. <laughs> I was holding that game. I could. And he was out down. on the court. And that's and that's it.
2: What did we think about sort of the flash to the future and LeBron saying to his kid, um, "You need to shape up and play basketball." Are you going to be saying, you know, to to your children, "You better shape up and become a comedian"? <laughs> i would
0: never do that to them Dude, i mean like you better I mean, be shape up and never step foot on a
2: stage i swear to
0: god i don't even want you i don't want to see you sweeping a stage no. i don't want you in a black box never
2: i'm never taking you to a
0: show <laughs> never taking you to a show as you will as never you know, tread the boards theater but, does not um, exist <laughs> exactly exactly people would be like Like, oh, I want to do what they do on TV. I go, not possible. They're robots. They're
2: robots. Those little people in the radio, they're really little people in the radio. And you're a normal sized (laughs) person. It'll never be you.
0: Okay, this really ties into the movie talking about little people Mm -hmm. in the the computer, in the radio, inside so many levels. What did you Um,
2: think when that was Don Cheadle in
0: there? Okay, first of all, he's my favorite part. Don Cheeto was my favorite part. Because he was like really, you know, again, we know him as being, you know, so many serious characters. Mm-hmm. or Even like his comedies are kind of like the dark stuff, you know, he'll do. Yeah. But um, he was just really having some fun with it. Like Don Cheadle was literally like, I want my kids to watch this movie and think yeah. I'm really
2: cool. Yep. And I thought he was so fun and he was so mean. He was so mean. And so I'm I'm assuming that you enjoyed his performance as algae rhythm, which is sort of a clever play on the word algorithm, which is a villain every day in my life. <laughs> How does your algorithm get you?
0: Yeah, my algorithm, well, honey, I'm trying to beat the algorithm in real life because I <laughs> live luck. to
2: mute. I live to mute. Yeah. I am muting
0: people on that IG. There Ooh. is nothing I love more than mute a bitch, honey. Mm-hmm. Can I say mute a bitch?
2: You can say mute a bitch. I, I'm almost positive that, well, this is not TV. This is not podcasting. This is HBO Max. So you understand <laughs> we're allowed to sort of go there the way that Sex in the City went there. You know, right. the, way that the Sopranos Records, right. went there. This went podcast there. is going there. So this
0: is the Sex in the City of podcasts? <laughs> yes. That's what There's, I'm hearing.
2: They've okay. never heard women talk like this, the way we are now.
0: <laughs> oh, God,
2: we're so brave. And
0: I am such a Steve's
2: mom. Oh.
0: Um, but I'm a Magda. <laughs> we love that.
2: No, just kidding. I'm a Carrie. Come on now. <laughs> Samantha Rising.
0: Yes, this yes, is yes, yes, definitely a Samantha Rising. Very much.
2: How do you identify?
0: My moon is in the house of Charlotte, most <laughs> definitely, because there is a part of me that's very like, hello, give me a jubu. I see that. Just like Charlotte. hundred percent. Like, I just, you know, like, give me a very large penthouse apartment, <laughs> yes. you know, but then a, a touch of, you know, but then a touch of Miranda. Right. A touch of Miranda.
2: Right, because we're we're essentially, we are here to get down to it. Absolutely. Like, yeah. We ain't got
0: time for no nonsense.
2: No, 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 no. So one of my favorite parts of the movie that I, that I want to know if you connected with as well is the sort of part where they were flying through the Warner Brothers atmospheres and like yeah. you, they passed all the different cinematic universes. I yeah. want to know for you, which Warner Brothers cinematic universe do you think you would thrive in the most?
0: That is so interesting. I do believe I would thrive in the world of Wonder Woman.
2: Yes, Like, that would
0: be my, that would be very, like, I mean, that was, it gave me very, did they shoot it on a Greek island? Who Uh knows? It uh feels like they did, and that's where I would like to be. It feels like it's a lot of, like... Female empowerment, body positivity, yes. and we would be on the Mediterranean diet, which is just good for you.
2: And also, just like get your delts into shape, sort of like you yes. see those women—they're always sort of just cut. They have that sort of like that healthy, toned. You know what I mean? Yes, how you want to look: healthy, toned, muscular, still strong, thin. You know, but thin, but muscular, thin, but, but soft, toned, <laughs>
0: toned, soft. <laughs>
2: Um, okay, so, Naomi, I'm so happy you're going to be here for me when I debut my first segment, uh, which is going to be my a, a segment every single time on every episode of this podcast, which is, but how is it a queer narrative? So I'm going <laughs> to be assessing all the movies that we talk about, and yes. I'm going to be asking the question, but how is it a queer narrative? And oh, I, would I like, love that for this. I-, I would like sort of techno music underneath this while I say mm-hmm. it. Here we go daddy issues flamboyant villain in a glittery jacket balls steven yen apparently making me horny even in the 30 second cameo calling someone king repeatedly and those are the ways in which this movie is a queer narrative thank you so much absolutely
0: absolutely i have never been more enlightened but also seen but also vibing also especially i mean a boy not wanting to play
2: sport can you say that over a techno beat?
0: A boy not wanting to play sports. Thank sports, you
2: so much. Sports, yes. Sports. Oh my god! And you got the reverb on there too, as if it was a 1996 <laughs> house mix itself.
0: <laughs> well, for in honor of Space Jam One. Yes, you know, exactly. Give us 90,
2: 1996 energy. A hundred percent. We have to have it. um All right. So I guess my my big my big. My big moment with this movie mm-hmm. was yeah. when, I, when I had to pause it and stop to laugh Be- out, out of joy and out of just sheer um enjoyment yeah, was yeah, when yeah. Sonique Martin Green who plays LeBron James's wife sort of yes. looks around in the world of Space Jam and she realizes D- what's happening and she looks at LeBron James and she says you need you to you got to win this game, game. And, and get, get our, our son sun back. And I was like, okay. that is a beautiful distillation of the whole movie right there. Yeah, we could have started the it right there. We know exactly what it is. Yeah, we
0: know that immediately. But I will say the twist on this, you know, with this being it the game, the world of the game they're playing, right, the video game basketball, it being the sun's creation oh, is a twist. Do you it know what is. I mean? Because it's almost like you want you want it to almost be hard for LeBron, or you want to see the extent to which he plays by his son's rules, mm-hmm. because because here's the thing: it's not just you know here's the thing in this movie, okay? Yeah, Dom is not just like a kid who sits in the house all day on the couch, eating chips and playing video games. He has designed his own game, you guys. So 100%. he again, he's a future king yes. in the world of video games, and so it's like. You want him to stay on that track because yes. he's out here young, gifted, and black making moves on a technical level?
2: We want Dom. So the fact that we have Dom, I'm like, LeBron, support Dom. Also, you got another son who loves basketball. <laughs>
0: exactly. I That's why like, you have on. two kids. You, you gotta have two kids for this reason. So you have one. You have
2: two kids for this reason. One smart kid and
0: one athlete. Yeah. yeah. You did it great. They did great. And I'm like, but LeBron, it's like, But you know what? I was trying to think about it from his character Uh slash LeBron, right? Because it's like LeBron, but then LeBron character. Mm Because I know, I I believe LeBron IRL is like a much more like do what you want to do. But also IRL, I bet they all play basketball. right? But he's like, but I bet, you know, because for him it's like basketball is how he made it, right? This is like how it all happened. So for him, he's like, that's the route I know and I trust to make it. And this video game stuff is a little dicey. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I think that's how he's feeling as a dad. It's but a I a like You better hurry up. It's a risk. It's and Le- like LeBron
2: on. James's household is the only household where, like, being probably doing good in school is the risk. It's like, <laughs> no, you no, know, you should try to be a professional athlete. That's the role. That's the role we see in your future. That's right. the path we know how to pave. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what did you think of the movie's message ultimately that the only way to win in basketball is to be yourself?
0: yeah that's not true you know that's like really hard because that's not how sports are played but i really like it was funny because it's like the game is obviously like so lawless like dom it's like style points which i did think was very funny i like like, you can get style points i feel like that's what i would only get yes like i would never land the ball in the basket but it would look very fun
2: exactly you know
0: but then it was you know of course I want to see the tunes be tuney. You know, right. I was ready for the tunes to tune out. Turn up and turn out. Tune out. What do we what do we do? Tune up. Tune
2: up and tune, tune out. Tune up and turn out. Thank you. That's much better. Um Naomi I want to thank you so much for coming on this. The the inaugural episode of the HBO Max Movie Club. I can't think of anyone better. Do you have any words of wisdom to any aspiring athletes out there or aspiring game designers out there?
0: Just like Dom in the movie Space Jam, A New Legacy, you need to do you. Okay? Do you, as the kids say never give up never and give it don't up. matter if your daddy is seven feet tall Mm-mm. and a billionaire who don't get you you keep doing it until you f- and then you're gonna face a don cheeto you're gonna face a Cheetle, a cheetling sequence and at some point and that's a metaphor okay mm-hmm. whatever your Cheadle in sequence is you're gonna mm-hmm. face it and you gotta see through it and keep on pushing
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and sometimes a cheetle is a cheater. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. We say that with all the love (laughs) in the world for Don Cheadle. (laughs) And I say this with all the love in the world for you. I love you, Naomi Perrigan. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you. You are the best in the game, man. Oh,
2: it's not true. Everyone coming up literally right now, we have my interview with Jeff Bergman and Eric Bauza, who voiced Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck in the film. And you know what? We might even hear from a Looney Tune or two. Well, all right. What a treat for us to be joined by Sorry But Legends. I mean, it's not every day that we get legendary voice actors in the damn chat. And what for our very first episode of HBO Max Movie Club, this is huge for us. We're joined by Jeff Bergman and Eric Bauza from Space Jam, A New Legacy, but also so much more. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> I mean, huge. And I just want, I, just to sort of impress upon the, the listeners out there, what exactly we're dealing with here. Could you please just, starting with you, Jeff, tell us who you voice in the movie? I'm the voice of Bugs Bunny, Sylvester Yosemite Sam, Fred Flintstone, and Yogi Bear. And I, I have to say, flat out, it is shocking knowing that that's true and knowing this is your real voice. I mean, the talent... Jump down. this is not my real say. voice man <laughs> <laughs> there it is and what about you eric i mean you say legends but i say i see
3: one legend and just a student in training No, uh, no no
2: it, well let let me make the. i am the host here okay so that's I'm that's true that's the true
3: <laughs> but I, I say anytime i'm in the booth with either jeff bob or candy i'm always kind of just uh in awe myself um mm. I grew up watching these guys and gals. But in the film, I I have the honor of voicing uh, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd, Foghorn Leghorn, Marvin the Martian, and Porky Pig.
2: The versatility. We love it. And I have to say, the (laughs) movie is such a blast. It's so much fun. What was it like to know that you were going to be in the sequel? Because I'm sure being such incredible, illustrious voiceover actors, you're at least fans of or admirers of the original Space Jam, as is everyone in the world. Yes, it was
4: uh, quite a a shock for me to think that I, that this would even happen. I mean, none of us really knew that this film was ever going to come about. So to be in it and then to be a part of it and to do it, and it was odd because we did it all remotely, Matt, so we didn't get to really see anybody. But, you know, everybody put their big boy pants on and and we just, uh, we got it together and it was... uh, it's just extraordinary to be a part of this film.
2: Mm. And to put pants on during the pandemic, already a huge, huge accomplishment there, and big boy pants even more. How about for you, Eric? I'm sure this... Were you a fan of this movie, like everyone else?
3: Well, pants for any of the Looney Tunes characters is very rare. <laughs> uh, huge, Most huge. of them don't wear pants or any clothes. <laughs> um but yeah, just like Jeff said, it you know, uh, a film that's been in the making for a very long time. I was part right. of another panel with uh, some of the producers on it. And they were saying that this had been in the works for over like 10 years. And uh, even before LeBron James was attached and even after LeBron was attached, it was still years and years trying to find the right time to make it. And they finally found the pocket and... Um, Yeah, it it was – I think it's another one of those things where obviously it's nice to be in the same room uh, so we could bounce off of each other. uh, But you have to kind of um, imagine what the other person – how they would say it, how they would react. And I think uh, between me and Jeff, we have a lot of practice talking to ourselves uh, (laughs) with the, the multiple characters that we've been able to play over the years.
2: So usually, just just for me and for everyone at home that doesn't know, usually are you, when you're doing voice acting, are you in the booth with other actors and do you prefer that? So this was a very different scenario? Well, I mean, this was extremely different. I mean, we had obviously Mm -hmm. on the Zoom
4: calls, we had the director, we had the animation director and the producer. So, I mean, they're certainly giving us a lot of context in what's happening in the scene. But like Eric was saying, we don't have the other actors. I mean, Eric wasn't there, and certainly Candy and Bob wasn't there, so we can you know, kind of bounce off each other because you do get different reads. But at the same time, I don't think Tom Hanks and Tim Allen ever met each other until the premiere, so they recorded all their right. lines separately, and, and Pixar often does that. So like Eric said, we just kind of have to imagine, how is that line going to be read? And, and the directors are really great at helping us to give that uh, additional context.
3: Yeah, we definitely rely and trust on the directors. Of course, they're the, the ones watching and listening to everything that we do. I, I, I'm sure Jeff can agree that sometimes when you watch some of these things back, it's it's almost like an out-of-body experience because mm-hmm. we go through these lines over and over and over again. We, we've we been working on this for how long, Jeff, do you think?
4: No, oh, it seems... Uh... I mean, about a year and a half or so? Wow.
3: Yeah, maybe longer. Yeah, yeah
4: and it's amazing, too,
3: like how fast they uh, they turned this out, you know, uh, uh, considering the difference in animation styles.
2: And I, I have to know, like, as I'm talking to you guys, and I'm wondering, how do you find out as a young actor, comedian, that you have all of these characters inside of you? I want to know how, starting with you, Jeff, how did you find yourself as a voice actor? How did it become... The level it's become now? How did you start out?
4: Well, I don't think I ever had the design that I wanted to be an actor, a voice actor, a mm-hmm. comedian. I think growing up watching impersonators like Rich Little and Frank Gorshin and Fred Travelina, those were the guys that kind of inspired me. And then seeing Mel blank on The Jack Benny Show, this is before cartoons. And right. that that really insp- I thought they were magicians when I saw them. I thought, wow, mm-hmm. that's so cool. And and I tried to do voices, and I don't think I sounded like anybody until maybe maybe I was in high school. Uh, and my parents were just, yeah, okay, sure, sure, sure. Uh, we'll encourage them. And then I think my voice started to change a little bit, like around my junior year, and as so- it does, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, thank and God. That's okay. Yeah, thank goodness it changed. <laughs> And so that's when I, I think I started to think, wait a second, maybe I, I have a knack for this or, you know, I mean, if you're passionate Mm -hmm. about something, eventually, you know, something's going to manifest, you're going to be able to find, you know, your space uh, in, in what you can do if you, if you love what you do that much. So that's kind of where it started for me, like in in high school, I
2: started to figure out like, I think I can kind of do this maybe. Right. And so for you, Eric, is it did it start with impressions of people that you knew or was it original characters or a little bit of both?
3: Well, at least with the Looney Tunes, definitely Saturday mornings with uh, mm-hmm. reruns uh, of the original shorts, the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show. Like uh, and again, Saturday mornings and after school back in the day when that's the only time you could get cartoons. Now, it's like you can get them 24 seven. Kids are so spoiled these days. But uh, those reruns that really got me into animation because I like to draw, I, I actually yeah. got into voiceover through animation on the oh, other cool. side of the glass. Uh, but uh, keeping with voice impressions, I think high school was, was you know, impersonating teachers. I, I think I was the valedictorian, not because I was smart, but because uh, they're like, let's just have him make fun of teachers for 40 minutes in their voices. But yeah, uh, I, I, like, like Jeff, I just never thought I would, you know, uh, you often look at those heroes of ours from the past and go, Wow, they, they really did something and then and then suddenly we're uh, being interviewed by yourself for a film yeah. that uh, <laughs> millions Iconic. of people are going to see next week. So It's
2: crazy, right? Do you think about that? Like, I mean, the first one is such a cultural touchstone for so many people. I mean, the 10th highest grossing movie of 96, which was quite a year. And I mean, this is a movie that people talk about even now. I mean, it's been 25 years. This movie is an, Al- an Olivia Rodrigo and a third year old. I mean, this, this is... Like, truly, this is a legendary movie and it's finally getting the sequel. It's exciting. So what does it feel like to know that, yeah, not only just a few people are going to watch this one. I mean, the Looney Tunes are coming back in a big way and HBO Max has brought them back in such a big way. What is that like? Well, I
4: mean, it's it's interesting because when the trailer came out for A New Legacy, mm-hmm. I got so invested in watching people watch the trailer Right. that I was like giggling and then I, I was tearing up because there was a father and son sharing their experience and remembering yes. the original Space Jam. And wow, there are diehard fans of that original movie. And I didn't, oh, yeah. I mean, I, you kind of know that, but then to see people talk about it and then to write about it, that like, oh, hey, they better, I'm hoping we're going to see this and blah, blah, you know. and And there is homage to that film, certainly, but it's a different film. Space Jam: yeah. A New Legacy. It stands on its own. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it it's uh it's incredible because there's so many different iterations. Uh, the certainly the show that Eric and I are working on, the Looney Tunes cartoons. Wow, right? I mean, that yeah. is classic, classic animation. I mean, if you if you just like are walking by in the kitchen and the, and it happens to be on, and you you might not even know if you were watching a cartoon from '49 or From, you know, 2020. I mean, it's 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 that great. It's that cool. So and then to have it be, you know, a feature film that we're involved with. I mean, it's my head sometimes wants to explode because we're we're part of all this. I mean, I don't know if you call it a a renaissance. I I don't know what you think, Eric, but um, it's it's huge.
3: I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, there's so much to cover in, in the, if you're looking back because you got the originals that were brought kind of back in the 90s on their own. And then you have this, uh, you know, you, you, you have to, uh, of course, honor the original like Mel Blanc and the crew. But then, for me, as a as a kid growing up, I watched Jeff Bergman and crew and and everyone else bring them back in their own way in the '90s with something like Tiny Toons, and then you have like those Nike Super Bowl uh, ads that later on spawn Space Jam. So there's just all these different kind of like, uh, for me again as a, as a spectator and a fan, like all these points and important like parts of history that are like wow, they really they really spark something with an audience. And then now it's like today, uh, like Jeff says, uh, you know, watching the people react. There's these reaction videos on YouTube. And I've seen one. I've seen They're five. Yeah. I, I've seen the videos where it's like someone put together 30 oh, reaction yeah. videos one, at the yeah. same time. And then you're like, wow, this this has hit a lot of um, people uh, our age that are now parents that are kind of like, you know, I'm of the mind like, well, I wonder – you know what my son's going to think of this cuz he he's 5 and he's seen the originals he knows when it's dad and when it's not dad and when it's you know someone else and and like
2: does he, he know is he able to tell yeah
3: like he knows uh when it's mel when it's me or when it's jeff like he knows <laughs> and and he likes them all the same uh, that's amazing but yeah it's it's definitely one of the pinch me I'm dreaming moments and i got to say again and i always say this i'm so thrilled for Jeff to be Bugs in this picture Absolutely. because it's it's something that I think should have happened a long time ago. If there's anyone that should have been Bugs in a motion picture uh, post Mel, it's got to it had to have been Jeff for me
4: and uh, Eric. I you know it's funny and thank you. It's very kind of you to say that. You know I kind of think about Mel Blank like Sean Connery. Sean was Connery was the original James Bond, but we had Roger mm-hmm. Moore, we had Pierce Brosnan, we have Daniel Craig. And so everybody brings like their own spice to it. And and so that's what I think is cool. I don't know that there's any kind of right or wrong, but it, it, we've all tried our best to keep the essence, uh, like Eric said, of the original characters, the way that we know them to be in, in design, and, you know, in the way they look, but also the way they sound, of course, too.
3: It's usually the world around them that changes and not them. And I think that's always comedy, too. It's, it's, it's always a good cause for comedy when... You know, if they question or they break the fourth wall, like what's happening right. here?
2: Yeah. The familiar interacting with the new. And I do want to say, like, it's been great to talk to you guys, but I do um, I'm, I am I, hear that Bugs and Daffy are around and they are the stars of the film. So, I, I, you know, I would feel remiss if I didn't at least just check in with them about how they're feeling about the release of the movie. So, um, Bugs and Daffy, are you here? It's true, Doc. I'm a rabbit. All right. Would you like to shoot oh. me now
1: or wait till I get
2: home? <laughs> No, I'm not. I I come in complete peace. I I, I promise you. I'm so happy. What's up, Doc, as it were, to you as well. And and Daffy, is that you?
1: Finally, I get to speak on this podcast. And by the way, I checked the calendar and it is rabbit season.
2: Listen, listen, I don't want you going for each other. What I wanted what I want to do is I want to know if we're going to talk a little smack. I want to know what was it like to work on the set with LeBron?
1: Well, Diva? I have to say that LeBron is good. I mean, he's good, but, you know, he had to do multiple takes to get it right. He didn't just get it right in the first take. You know, he's good.
2: He brought his game.
1: He brought the A okay. game,
2: but not every day. Most days. Most days. Okay, well, that's good. Daffy, similar experience working with working with the GOAT? Wait a second.
1: You you got to work with LeBron? I, I didn't see him once on set. I think they kept us
2: separated.
1: Uh, oh. I need to see my contract again. <laughs>
2: So I, I want to know. I want to know, guys. Who out of all the tunes is the biggest problem on set? I, and, and this is because I, I'm into the gossip. I want to know who out of all the tunes. Obviously, not not you. Not you guys. You're professionals here. I can tell. You showed up on time for this recording. That I really appreciate. That you're obviously pros. Who's the biggest issue on set? Out of all the tunes, who's the biggest mess? Hmm.
1: Well, I'd have to say it's a tie. Tie between. Uh-huh. I won't say Daffy. I'll be polite. But I'd have to say it was probably Sam kept flubbing his lines, and Porky just couldn't get anything out. So it's probably a dead heat between the two of them. Jeez. Uh, I will break that tie and say Taz. (laughs) Every time you let that guy out of his cage, it's it's a mess. Bull in a china shop. It was a mess, now that I think about it. You know, Daffy might be right about that. I mean, I know I have a spitting problem, but hey, I'm working on that. I'm in therapy.
2: You know, that just means you're enunciating. In the theater, you should see. I, one time I saw Jonathan Groff in something, and it was The Soak Zone. Anyway, I won't go too far into that. But um, listen, my big question I, I, I needed to ask you guys is, was Grandma doing all her real stunts, or was that a double? Because she she's really capable of some stuff. Not to give too many spoilers to the listening audience, but Grandma turns it out. Well, we don't want to give away too
1: much, Matt, but, but Granny is a hot mama, let me tell you. Boy, she brought Ooh. her game. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. Some say this isn't your grandma's Looney Tunes, but it is. But it isn't. But it is. She had some superpowers in that walker
2: they gave her. You let know me. You know that, oh brother. Age ain't nothing but a number age ain't nothing but a number granny shows us in this movie guys i want to thank you for your time so much thanks for stopping by but i'm actually uh, this is this is crazy I, not to not to switch gears but I, I think the rest of your cast is here and they're sort of upset that you're eating up all the air time in the media so i'm actually gonna have to switch focus here to the rest of the tunes who are here hey tunes let me let me go through one by one just wanted to ask uh, Yosemite Sam, um, what was the craft services like on set?
3: Hey, I like the craft services. Barbecued ribs.
4: Mmm, good. Down home. I love it.
2: <laughs> we love a good down home barbecue at rib. And Elmer Fudd, early call times? How, how, how early did you have to arrive to set?
1: Well, uh, that was a tough one because I'm a bit of a weight wiser.
2: Mmm. My
1: alarm clock is always broken.
2: I see. I see. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough for the line producer on set that day. Uh, Marvin the Martian, in terms of uh, the other worlds we see in the in the movies, which one do you want to travel to the most and sort of take over?
3: Uh, well, may I say thanks for having me on this podcast, but it sure. blocks my view of Venus. Therefore, I shall have to delete it. Uh, but I've conquered most every
2: planet in the universe, so I, I can't really. I, I'm on to galaxies. Sure, 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 sure. And um, Fred Flintstone, you are in this movie against all odds. Um, when are we going to see a Flintstones reboot, babe? yabba damn dee well, we'll see.
4: It might be soon. You never know. I see. I see.
3: I I, I got I, I'm definitely got my PVR set to record
4: that show.
2: Sylvester, you too? Yes, uh,
4: I think I think so.
2: I just have to find out how to work the remote for my son, Junior, because he's the genius in the family yeah that's why we have kids so they can help us work our remote I agree with you Sylvester wonderful that's why we love the zoomers All right. well great to talk to all of you and so happy you all had such a fabulous time on set and a raucous time at that Uh, Bugs and Daffy listen if you see Eric and Jeff please tell them that the movie's incredible really enjoyed it can't wait for everyone to see it and thank them so much
1: I certainly will. You have our word. Perfect. I knew it. I knew it. Thanks, boys. All right. Take care, and remember, Space Jam: A New Legacy in theaters July 16th, folks, and streaming on HBO Max.
2: There we go. There's the company line. I knew it was coming. Nice talking to you, Matt.
1: Yeah. Hey, uh, the the the. Uh, that's all, folks.
2: Uh, love it. <laughs> Thanks so much for checking out the HBO Max Movie Club. If you want to catch the movies we talked about in this episode, here's a list of where and when you can watch them on HBO Max. Space Jam, A New Legacy, is in theaters and on HBO Max, streaming only on the ad-free plan in the U.S. for 31 days from its theatrical release. Space Jam is streaming on HBO Max until November 30th, 2021. Twister is streaming on HBO Max until August 31st, 2021. Independence Day is streaming on HBO via HBO HBO Max until February 28th, 2022. You can also find this information in the show notes. HBO Max Movie Club is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio, hosted by me, Matt Rogers. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell, produced by Camila Salazar, written and researched by Steve Griffin, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed HBO Max Movie Club, You better do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might get your podcasts. And don't forget to watch all your favorite movies on HBO Max. Okay, bye!